Shadow of the Hook by Wolfgang Wimmers Passage 8, Part 3 Continuing from where we left off, inside Rose's memory of being bullied by that horrible lame kid. Wayne thrust his arm past her and grasped a rose stem. Rosa flinched and ducked down a little, her eyes darting back and forth in search of escape. She was ready to run and was quicker than most. She had spied a slight gap in the fence and wondered if she could somehow divert the boy's attention and slip out. The timing would have to be perfect. Wayne placed finger and thumb on either side of a large thorn and twisted breaking it off in his hand. He grimaced at Rosa. I bet she doesn't like monsters, he said before licking the bottom of the thorn and then placing it on his nose, Spike pointing upwards. He looked around at his gang with a smug look, then turned to Rosa again. Rah! he screamed, hands raised in the air like claws of some imaginary beast. For a moment, Rosa panicked. But then, instinctively, she knew what to do. The instant Wayne screamed, diverting the other boy's attention, she shot out past the kid to her left before anyone could react. She ran. Why had these boys done this to her? Why were they so cruel? And where were the teachers? Rosa gained a small head start as the rest of the boys each plucked a thorn from the bushes, placing them on their noses. She snuck a look back as he reached the far end of the quad. They were coming. Fast. Rosa ducked around the side of the building and made towards the swimming pool. Tears began streaming down her face as she ran from the monsters chasing her. But she knew they weren't real monsters. They were only big kids, pretending. Real monsters sat in damp caves during the day, hunting in the dark. Real monsters were found in places rarely travelled, like up the mountain in the shadow of its large stone peak, the Hook. Real monsters were chased off or beaten by brave knights. Real monsters they may not have been, but Rosa had a real problem. She ran as fast as her legs would take her, down the path by the pool. As she passed, Rosa glanced at the painted signs on the pool fence. No jumping, no diving, no hippopotami. The last always made her laugh, not today. She heard the monstrous yawps of the boys closing in fast. Rosa scared of Rose Monster, came a mocking voice from behind, obviously Wayne's. Rosa sped around the corner of the first year student's block and raced past its two classrooms. Surely there was a teacher somewhere? Her terrified face darted from left to right as she ran. Where were they all? In a meeting? Rosa had now come full circle. She was back at the rose garden. She could hear the heavy footsteps of the boys right behind her. She was just starting back up the path alongside the garden when a grimacing thorn-faced Wayne stepped out from around the corner ahead, arms crossed, blocking her path. She was trapped, right where it had begun. Rosa crouched down for protection as the boys crowded around her, yelling taunts and pulling faces with their thorny noses. 
she put her arms above her head, leaving a gap only for one eye to peek out, and out past the legs of her wildly dancing tormentors. Rosa could just make out the figure of another boy standing in the open play area. Her knight, staring at her from afar, but making no move to help. Her brother, Oscar. Back in the cave, Oscar looked at his sister with teary eyes. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Rosa. I should have had the courage to help you. I feel terrible about that day. So much that I can hardly look at you sometimes. Oh, Oski, you shouldn't feel that way. You helped me when you could, said Rosa, clasping his arm. And that's all that matters. Oscar put forth a weak smile, but felt no better following his sister's words. <sighs> Part of me just wishes I'd stayed on the boat that day, Rosa. But I guess you're right. I did help in the end, said Oscar, his memory of the day now billowing into life around them. Oscar Hunter stood on the boat's deck that day, hands on hips and one leg up on the rail, chewing on a long stalk of grass. He was a brave captain, and he was proud of his boat and crew. It had been a tough four months since they'd last seen land. Food and water were running short. The lads were wasting. And if they didn't hit landfall within a week, surely they'd all be dead. Captain Oscar lifted his face to the sky, feeling the warmth of the summer sun heating his face. He closed his eyes, and there it was, the wisp of a breeze. I feel the winds blowing, lads, he said. We'll soon be on our way again. Prepare to hoist the mainsail. Duncan and Rob looked up from their tinkering on the deck. It's a power boat, Rob said. Oscar sighed. Rob never displayed an inkling of imagination. Never had. He wasn't wrong, though. It was a power boat. Well, it used to be one before it was scrapped and brought down to the sports field for kids to play on. We're heading back up said Duncan as he and Rob jumped off the deck and onto the grass. Have fun with your boat. Okay, lads, said Oscar, who prized the boat and spent many a lunch hour pretending to sail the seven seas. I'll see you up there after I scrub the decks. Duncan rolled his eyes at Rob, and the boys trudged off up the path to the school buildings. Oscar pretended to swab the decks for a moment before losing interest. Swabbing was no fun by oneself. He took hold of the wheel and watched his friends plodding up the rise. A moment of sadness touched his face. Maybe he was getting too old to pretend. He had just turned eleven. His friends certainly weren't as eager to join him anymore. Perhaps it was time to grow up a little, be more like the others. Oscar shrugged to himself then strode across the deck before jumping nimbly to the grass below, tucking and rolling as he did every time. He sprang up quickly and trotted off towards the school buildings, his glasses somehow still in place. From the top of the rise he could hear the sounds of kids playing and chattering over lunch. Just the usual. As he passed some of the girls in his class, he said a shy hello, then pretended to ignore their whispered comments as he walked away. Girls and their secrets. Up ahead, near the headmaster's office, Oscar noticed some kind of commotion. 
a few boys were running to join a larger crowd that had gathered by the path alongside the building. He took a few steps closer, his excitement rising. What could be happening? Oscar grinned with anticipation, trying to peer through the crowd. But then he saw her. His little sister Rosa was crouched in the rose garden, surrounded by boys from his class. They were tormenting her. The ringleader seemed to be that horrible Wayne kid who'd had to repeat a year. Wayne's old classmates didn't want to hang out with him any more, so he spent his lunch hours bullying younger kids into joining his gang. Oscar froze. What was going on? And what was that they had on their noses? What could he do? Most of these kids were his friends, but this was his sister. He should do something. Anything. Oscar and Rosa's eyes met. Tears were streaming down Rosa's face, but Oscar could do nothing but cover his face with his hands and lower his head. What could he do? Take on an angry mob? The boys would be even harsher on him than they were being on Rosa. He felt a huge pang of guilt. He should be there for his sister, but he was afraid. He tried to build up his courage. He knew he should help her. Finally, the tension broke. Guys, teacher coming, said Wayne to his fellow thorn monsters. Let's go find someone else to scare. We'll get this one later. The group of boys took off behind their leader, around the corner to the concrete playground in front of the school, and away from Mr Jones, the maths teacher, who was patrolling the quad. Oscar finally sprang into action and ran up to Rosa, who remained crouched in the dirt of the flower bed. Tears splashed against the uneven concrete slabs of the path in front of her. Oscar reached out his hand to help his sister up. She looked up at him, eyes rimmed red and wet with tears. Why didn't you help me, Oski? I'm your sister, Rosa sobbed, hesitating for a moment before taking her brother's hand. I, um, I'm sorry, sis, I didn't know what to do. I was scared. Rosa burst into another fit of tears. Oscar placed a hand on her shoulder. It broke his heart to see her like this. Hmm. Rosa, I've got an idea, he said, beginning to feel courageous at last. Let's get them back. Rosa eyed him warily through her teary haze. I mean, let's do something that they're not going to expect, said Oscar. Let's get the biggest thorns we can find and place them on our noses. Then we'll go and be monsters to them. Together. With that, Oscar broke off two of the spiky thorns and offered one to his sister. Her tears were beginning to dry up. Rosa smiled. A small hint of a smile, but true. She took the thorn from her brother, gave it a good lick and stuck it to the tip of her nose. Oscar did the same. They faced each other and tested out their best monster faces. Oscar grabbed his sister's hand and they ran down the path, two monsters, together, ready for battle. The memory faded from their minds like a thick fog clearing from the air around them. Once more, the two sat alone in the dark, dripping cave. Oscar's voice continued in the dim. The sad thing is, Rosa, that most of those guys used to be my friends, Oscar said. Now they don't talk to me or they tease me for what I did. 
He paused, swallowed hard. Rosa, I don't have any friends anymore. Between that and what I did to you, now I just usually sit by myself at lunchtime, up on the hill near the pool. I just stare at the ground until the bell rings for class. A few tears spilled onto his cheeks, which he quickly wiped away. Rosa put an arm around her brother's shoulder. I'm so sorry, Oscar, she said, tears coming to her eyes too. I didn't know. It's not your fault, Rosa, Oscar said. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll get over it. But I do worry about it, Rosa said. I'm your friend too. And those guys are nasty. And, and you deserve to have better friends than that. Maybe you should look at it that way. Just just think. You've made two better friends today than those guys could ever be. Oscar looked at her with the beginnings of a proper smile. <laughs> Perhaps you're right, sis. I guess. We'll see, but, but thanks for asking and listening. It feels better to talk about it, at least. Rosa smiled too. I'm glad, she said. Let's talk about it again when we're out of this mess, okay? Oscar nodded his agreement, reaching for the torch and idly shining it around the small cave. As he angled it downward, he spotted something small on the ground beneath him. It was a little magnifying glass, its lens about the size of his eye. Look, Rosa, he said, putting it up to his face. This tiny magnifying glass fits just over my... What? Wait a minute. What, what the? Oscar's eye darted around the room as he exclaimed, Rosa, check this out. Taking the glass, Rosa placed it against her eye. <laughs> wow, Oscar, this, this is amazing, she said. It must be magical. I, I, I can see everything. When they looked through the magnifying glass, they could see the entire cave in full light and wondrous colour. Not only that, but they could see the smallest detail in whatever they focused on. I think I could count every one of Dad's nose hairs from across the street using this, said Oscar, taking his turn on the strange device. Rosa chuckled. <laughs> I bet you could. Can you count to 50,000? She said, sending them both into fits of laughter. D do you think maybe this was someone else's gift from the grotto? Maybe someone else found it but dropped it, she asked. Hmm, possibly, Rosa, her brother replied. Who knows? But whatever, it's ours now, I guess. Settling back into silence, they waited, each taking turns with the eyeglass. Oscar looked at his watch. Tick. Tock. Rosa, he said. I'm getting really worried. We've been away for hours and the emergency phone still has no signal. The sun will be down soon and, and Mum and Dad have no way of knowing where we are. They'll be calling around and searching. They've probably been to Von Lips now. They probably have the police out looking for us. Rosa looked surprised. She tended to forget about these kinds of things and, on more than one occasion, had got in trouble for not letting their parents know where she was. But as Oscar's words sunk in, her expression became serious. We're going to be like Trevor, she said. Huh? Trevor, Oski. Don't you remember that boy who went missing last Easter? 
They had to send a search party into the woods. Oh, yeah. I remember, said Oscar. He was in the year above me, he paused. You're right, Rosa. We may be just like Trevor. That is, as long as they find us. At that, the children fell back into silence, pondering the gravity of the situation. All at once, a crackling sound came from a little further down the passage. Another magical portal had opened about two feet above the ground. Quilby and Ash came flying through with the same whooshing sound. They landed on the hard stone with a thunk in a tangled mess. Are you two okay? asked Rosa, hurrying over to help them up. How did it go? Did, did you get the net? Uh, yeah, well, said Ash, untwisting himself from the gnomeling. That, uh, didn't go exactly to plan. As he and Quilby tried to clean the caked mud and dirt off, he recounted their failure at the goblin markets. Uh, so we're really no closer to getting the grubble off your backs than we were before, said Oscar in exasperation. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm... I let you down again, said Quilby. Don't worry, said Rosa, surprisingly cheerfully. We know you did your best, and all is not lost. Oscar and I found something that might help. Show them the glass, Oscar, she said. Oscar handed the magnifying glass over to Quilby, who studied it for several minutes. Oscar and Rosa watched in anticipation. What a m- m- marvellous device, he said. I, I believe I have read of these in, in the great almanac of m- m- magical objects. If I'm not mistaken, this is called a magical magnification reflector of superior vision, light and colour. Oscar looked puzzled. That's a pretty long name for something so small, Quill. Well, <laughs> y- yes, indeed it is, Oscar, chuckled Quilby. I think I'll just call it, hmm... How about the seeing glass? Ha! Quilby said. A a very good and and short name. He handed the glass back to Oscar. Make sure you keep it safe. It it, it may just come in handy. Ash patted Oscar on the knee. Nice find, lad. Rosa piped up. We think someone who got it from the gifting room might have dropped it. Well, you might be right there, lass, said Ash. And... It might come in handy if we were looking for someone in a dark space, but I'm afraid I don't see it helping against our friend the Grobble. Oscar popped the glass into the front pocket of his shirt, buttoning it up. He patted his other shirt pocket, where he felt the bulge of the greenstone bird Spoonton had given him. So, we really are no closer to getting what we need, are we? said Oscar. There was no answer. They all knew they had failed. Ash broke the silence. I... I... Um... Uh... I have something to say. Uh, something to tell you. What is it, Ash? asked Rosa. There were a few moments pause as Ash struggled to put his words together. Not, uh, wanting to take things from bad to worse. But... On the beach earlier, Sandy took me aside. She told me about the troll frenzy. The what? asked Oscar. The the troll frenzy, she called it. She said that sometimes, and and very rarely, if a troll gets angry, sad, or lonely enough, or some combination of all three, this can trigger a kind of sickness. 
It eats into the troll, makes his eyes glow green. In this state, his anger knows no bounds. He becomes more powerful, more determined, and much, much more dangerous. He will not stop until we are... Ash gulped. No more. Hang on, Ash, said Oscar. I, I don't really see how this changes things. Why are you telling us this now? Ash looked at Oscar, his guilt deep in his eyes. Well, it it means that you and Rosa are a target for the Grubble, too. As well as Sandy. I'm, I'm sorry, kids. He's mad with a sickness that is uncontrollable. And, and Sandy said that even if we find the net, it, it may not be enough to stop him. So, so what on earth are we searching for this spider net thing for? Asked Oscar. We almost got killed. Quilby stood, shaking, his head in his hands. Oh, so, so this is why that good-looking goblin was, was so alarmed, he said. Rosa looked terrified. Oscar put his arm around her. I'm, I'm truly sorry. I, I should have told you sooner, said Ash. But Sandy wanted us to keep moving, to give her time to try and calm the grovel. She said only very powerful ancient magic or some kind of huge shift in emotion can truly tame the frenzy. A shift in emotion? asked Rosa. Well, what does that mean? I'm not entirely sure, lass, but I'm guessing it would be if something amazing happened, something that made him really, really happy, really, really guilty, or really, really scared. I, I just don't know. There was little more to be said. The companions quietly gathered themselves together and started back up to the cave entrance, Quilby plodding and clutching his oversized spellbook. Ash lumbering, his head hung in shame. Oscar shuffling and rubbing his forehead in frustration, and Rosa trudging along behind, lost in quiet thought. When they reached the entrance, they rejoined the fifth member of their band, William, chewing and staring in blissful ignorance as usual. Well, hello, everybody, again. We've we've jumped into uh, Wolfgang's recording uh, closet um, uh, to uh, give some shout-outs to uh, some people that, uh, well, quite quite frankly, deserve it for supporting the show. Well, well yes, Quilby. Um, so, first of all, we have a shout-out for Carl from Melbourne, who has asked to... Uh, be contacted uh, in the language of uh, the snits. So here we go. Uh, okay. Uh, well, well, I hope you uh, enjoyed that, Carl. Yes, they, they really are amazing creatures. Um, now, next, uh, as a shout-out for, for Hazel. Um, also from, from Melbourne, uh, who has asked uh, to be contacted by Trevor and Grop. 
Oh, now, now, wasn't that very special? Such a lovely uh, sentiment there. Uh, um, now, on to our third um, uh, uh, shout-out. And, and, oh, oh, it's from me. Uh, now, uh, uh, Johan would like to um, request a shout-out to Madeline, uh, uh, based in Gisborne, New Zealand. From me. Oh, hello, Madeline. Um, well, I hope you're enjoying the story. And, um, yes, thanks for listening. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, Quill. Um, why'd you get yourself to gather there, uh, one final shout-out? And this is to Maddie. Now, Maddie, from Wellington, um, has requested that, uh, we, oh, where's, uh, where is it? Um, mm, oh, yeah, oh, Quill, let's get out of here. Um, come on now, let's go. Listening. Hmm. Did you see my treasure? Trouble!